VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And thank you for joining us today here on Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. As you know, last week the Senate Judiciary Committee met to question Amy Coney Barrett regarding her nomination for the United States Supreme Court. Our guest today is going to provide analysis of her testimony, questions thrown at her. Uh, by the way, a vote's scheduled for this Thursday morning before the Senate Judiciary Committee. If passed, it's then on to the full Senate. And if confirmed, this would be President Donald Trump's third justice appointed to the highest court. Meanwhile, the issue of court packing continues to loom as former Vice President Joe Biden has refused to give a definitive answer on this issue, not pledging to or now pledging to wait and see what the Senate does and uh, with this nomination. So we're going to pack all of this into our discussion today. It's our privilege to welcome back. Constitutional Attorney Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Uh, Matt is uh, author. He's a speaker on the radio programs Faith and Freedom and Freedom's Call. He has argued before all levels of court, including landmark cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. Welcome back here, Matt, to Crosstalk. Thank you. Good to be with you, Jim. So, Matt, leading up to these hearings, there was every trick tried to stop them from proceeding. Uh, were you surprised as to the extent of these, uh, including a threat to bring new impeachment allegations against the president, threats to stop hearings, even attempt to block a vote on the committee? You know, I wasn't surprised. Uh, you know, when we went through the Kavanaugh confirmation, I was surprised at the level of uh, just hatred and lies that came about uh, out of that confirmation. So, you know, unfortunately, uh, that prepared us for whatever would come down the pipe this time, because Kavanaugh was an important seat, no question about it, but this is more important. This is not Kavanaugh replacing somebody who would go one way or the other way. This is somebody who is up for nomination replacing Ginsburg, who always went the wrong way on religious freedom, on life, on family issues, and so many other things. She was always uh, the activist on the court. So, Whoever replaced this person, whether it was even, say, for example, a Kennedy, even if you had a Justice Kennedy who sometimes went one way and sometimes went the other way on critical issues, you'd still have a huge shift in the future of the court. Now, if you replace um, Ginsburg's seat with somebody like Amy Coney Barrett, who is an originalist who will not create the law but simply interpret the law based upon its words and its intent and actual meaning, there's a huge shift on every conceivable area. And so this is uh, like their Waterloo, so to speak. I mean, this was their last stand. So I, I realized that they were going to pull out all the stops, and certainly uh, they have tried to do that. But, you know, the problem is is they don't have uh, much of a target to go after with uh, Judge mm-hmm. Barrett. Yeah, and we're going to discuss some of this, but I saw a column from David Limbaugh, and his column was entitled this, Matt, ACB, that's Amy Coney Barrett, ACB would tilt the court not to the right, but to the Constitution. That's an interesting comment. Yeah, you know, I never use a liberal or conservative when I refer to judges or justices, particularly because sometimes that gets mixed up with politics, you know, a Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative in terms of politics. It's really not a liberal or conservative issue. Yes, they may be liberal, or they may be conservative in their politics and in their policies. But really, judicial philosophy doesn't depend upon what your politics are. It really is, how are you going to approach the text? Does the word is mean is? Or are you going to try to make it mean something else? You know, does this particular word mean something according to its common language? Does this sentence have meaning. Yes, it does. We can interpret it. We understand what it was meant to be there at the time it was drafted and what it means now. Now, a liberal or conservative policy might be somebody who doesn't agree with how that is supposed to be. That's for the politicians to debate, Mm -hmm. but not for the judges to debate. The judge is really supposed to be, and there's really just two different things. Instead of liberal and conservative, it's uh, somebody who's an originalist or a textualist, versus somebody who's a judicial activist. Those are the real differences. What is your judicial philosophy? Do you believe the judge is bound by the law and must stay within the four corners of that law 
and just come out with whatever that law says, irrespective of their personal view. That's a that's an originalist. That's a constitutionalist. Or do you believe that the Constitution can be just simply uh, the springboard, and judges can say whatever they want to be uh, at any given time, no matter what the intent of the law or the statute is? That's an activist, and that's the difference between Ginsburg, the activist, and. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett, the constitutionalist or originalist. Matt, I'd like you to clear up something else as well, because we had uh, Joe Biden and also his deputy campaign manager, Kate Bedingfeld. Uh, they said that the Republican efforts to confirm Judge Amy Coney Barrett was not constitutional. Here's a quote from Joe <laughs> Biden. He said, the only court packing going on right now is going on with Republicans. It's not constitutional what they're doing. Is it or is it not, Matt? Oh, it's very constitutional. You know, look, uh, the president doesn't have a three-year term, has a four-year term. And Congress doesn't just take a break in the last uh, half a year of the last year of the president. Now, things have to continue to move forward, and the president still has a duty. And if you go back in history, what you find is about 20 different uh, judicial openings have come up, and people have been nominated in that last year of the president's term. And of those, it's a very high number. If the president in the White House is of the same party as the Senate, of those 20, it's 17 or 18 of those were confirmed in that last year. If it's a difference between the White House and the Senate, two different parties, it doesn't matter whether it's in the White House Republican and the Senate Democrat or vice versa, if they are two different parties if the Senate is not of the same party of the president, then the chances of having that person confirmed in the last year is possible, but it is not most likely to happen. The odds are it's, that person's not going to be confirmed. So if you go back to 2016, that's what you had. You had Obama in the White House as a Democrat. You had the Senate controlled by Republicans. And so Merrick Garland was nominated in that lame duck year, and the Senate said, no, we're going to exercise our uh, role here, and we're not going to confirm. Well, if you go back to every other uh, 20 or so where it's the same party, and I'm talking about either whether it's Democrat-Democrat or Republican-Republican, you have this overwhelming confirmation when those are of the same political party. So it is not only uh, historically uh, wrong to say that you shouldn't uh, confirm somebody in the last year uh, from history, but it's also constitutionally wrong. There is no pause button on the Constitution to the Senate or to the president's duties. In fact, in 2016, Ginsburg herself said the president doesn't stop becoming president in the last year, neither does the Senate stop having its duties to consider and uh, nominate or I should say, advise confirm, and consent. Uh, vote on uh, these nominees, uh, nominations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Staver with us today from Liberty Council. Uh, Matt, I know you were with us right after she was named as the nominee, and we went through a lot of her credentials, but uh, she came with a, a very high rating from the uh, mm-hmm. American Bar Association, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She has the highest rating of the American Bar Association. This woman is quite stellar. Uh, academic. Let me just talk a little bit about academics. She uh, was accepted into... Uh, Notre Dame, 1997 is when she graduated, but she uh, got a full scholarship. Uh, In order to do that, she was a very high performer in her uh, undergraduate class. Then she graduated number one in her class. That's quite an achievement. She got the highest honor of any uh, student at graduating. She ultimately um, then went into uh, private practice, uh, but before she did that, she clerked at uh, two courts, one uh, as a federal uh, judge, and then also with the United States Supreme Court. Very hard uh, position to get in. And that judge or justice was Justice Scalia. And uh, she learned from Justice Scalia uh, to be true to the words and the intent of the Constitution. She ended up uh, going into private practice. She then became a visiting professor at George Washington University Law School. Then she became a professor at Notre Dame in 2002. She won the Distinguished Professor of the Year Award three times, has a law uh, dean. I know that's a very difficult thing to do 
even winning it once, let alone three times. Mm-hmm. It means that she was very competent in teaching constitutional law, civil procedure, federal courts, constitutional theory, and other things, statutory interpretation. That's what she taught at, at uh, Notre Dame. So when she got nominated to the Court of Appeals uh, for the Seventh Circuit, that actually governs uh, your state uh, there in Wisconsin right. and others. Right. When she got nominated for that, all 49 of her law school colleagues signed a letter in strong support. And they're of different political views. So there you do have people that have different political views, even judicial philosophy views, but they all joined together. That's incredible for that to happen. And all 34 of the law clerks that she clerked with, including clerks across the spectrum, they say they're Republicans, they're Democrats, they're independents, they're liberal, they're all kinds of different... But on the merits, as her as a judge, uh, she's um, impeccable, and she's a woman of not only uh, great intellect but outstanding character. So she is more than qualified academically, professionally in her legal work. She also, from a character standpoint, is quite an amazing individual. I mean, she is a, a mother. 18 years married, seven children, adopted two from Haiti over at different times. Um, One of them was not even supposed to be able to walk. She was so emaciated. Uh, She's the daughter. She has a Down syndrome uh, son, the youngest one. Uh, She is someone who is incredibly respected by people who don't agree with her judicial philosophy or her uh, different personal views on things. But they understand that she is a woman of incredible, impeccable character. Matt, uh, and the, the, and that's why it was appalling to me to have the senator from Hawaii, who was it, Maisie Hirano, who asked uh, what, but many find an appalling oh. question, saying, since she became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted re, uh, requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual neighbor? I mean, a nature. Uh, was this some attempt to have someone, you know, come forward with false accusations like we've seen previous? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, this was just, this was grasping at straws. It's just the lowest of the low to ask this woman since age 18, did she ever sexually assault anybody? Did she ever make unwanted sexual advances of any nature to anybody since she was age 18? To do this with her children and her parents watching, with the world watching, of this kind of an individual who has impeccable character is just unforgivable, frankly. And she had no basis to ask that question. She knew it. She just wanted to ask it, and she didn't have anything else of substance she could ask. And the same thing with um, Senator Harris, Vice President Candidate uh, Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. She didn't even let her answer questions. She would basically argue the whole time. And when she would start to answer, Kamala Harris would interrupt and go on to something else. So, I mean, it was absolutely um, a circus uh, that some of these people, uh, particularly on the Democrats uh, on the Judiciary Committee, tried to put forth. They're frustrated. I get that. Because what they have is they've got a person that they can't speak against. And they know it'll shift the balance of the court with somebody who respects the Constitution. And uh, Matt Staver with us here today on Crosstalk. We're talking about the Amy Coney Barrett nomination, which is up for a vote this later this week before the Senate Judiciary Committee. We're going to be back in one minute with analysis of the testimony. We'll be back in one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, are animals more and more intelligent as they march up the evolutionary tree? Chris, let's get this straight. Evolution did not happen. There is no valid evolutionary tree. There are no higher animals. It stands to reason in evolution that the apes would be the most intelligent of the animals, only bested by mankind. While it is true that apes have a larger brain than do, say, toads, there are a lot of animals thought to be lower on the evolutionary tree which are quite intelligent. A number of insects can do things that would astound you. Now even a fish has been discovered that can use tools in digging its burrow. Chris, there is no hierarchy of the animals leading to man. Each of the animals were created separately after their kind, each with unique abilities. Chris, it makes so much sense when you go back to Genesis for your starting point. 
you can find us on the web at www.icr.org. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Last week, the Senate Judiciary Committee finished their hearings. They have their vote later this week. We'll be providing you a contact phone number to your senators and also other information about how you can obtain information on Amy Coney Barrett uh, through Liberty Council as well. Matt, let's look at some of the, the testimony, some of the back and forth. Uh, I mean, if you would provide for us your analysis of these hearings, I mean, there was no doubt she came to these hearings mentally prepared. Oh, wow. She came to the hearings mentally prepared. I mean, I've not quite seen anybody uh, like this before. She came there with no notes. She had a notepad. But that notepad was uh, no doubt just in case she wanted to write down a jot and note to come back and make sure that she uh, covered a question. But she didn't even need to do that. Um, she held up her notepad and not a single word on it. Everything that she was um, doing was from memory. And I'm talking about cases and uh, facts and history. You know, having some uh, quite a bit of experience in preparing for oral arguments. In fact, I'm preparing for two federal court or oral arguments uh, next week, uh, Monday and then again on Wednesday, two federal court of appeals arguments. And I just did one uh, earlier this month at a separate federal court of appeals. It's a lot to actually prepare for. That's a lot to prepare for a Supreme Court oral argument because you just never know what they're going to ask you. And there's all kinds. These, these cases are hundreds and hundreds of pages that you're looking at, thousands of pages when you put them all together. And she went there with no notes because it was all in her mind. It's no wonder why she graduates number one in her class. No wonder why she got a full scholarship to a very um, difficult school to get into in Notre Dame. And it's no wonder why the 34 Supreme Court law clerks that graduate at the top of their class think so highly of not only her intellect, but her character. And it's the same reason why the 49, all of them, not 46, not 47, not 48, 49, every single one of them, on the faculty, wrote a letter in her favor when she was nominated in 2017. Uh, she is an incredible individual who has a great grasp of the law and the facts, and that's the kind of justice you want. Matt, she quoted Justice Ginsburg more than once. What was the context <laughs> of those quotes? I mean, she even quoted Elena Kagan, too. Yeah, she did. Well, she's bringing back to them the reminder that they didn't have the same standard. For example, when... Um, Ginsburg was, was asked about um, homosexuality. Uh, she used the word sexual preference. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the same word that um, Amy, Comey, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett uh, used. Well, Ginsburg wasn't criticized for that, but they wanted to criticize her. And then when we're talking about you know, cases or when we're talking about whether the Senate should act or whether the president should nominate, she quotes Justice Ginsburg, throws it right back at him. And she quotes the Ginsburg right off the top of her head. She also quotes um, Kagan right off the top of her head. And, the, and she referred to it as the Ginsburg rule. And that was they tried to get her to commit about how she would rule on particular cases. And she would refer back to what Ginsburg said. She's not going to comment on a hypothetical case. And she did the same thing with Kagan. Kagan did the same thing. So she just threw it right back at him, quoting them from their positions. And it was, a, it was the right thing to do. The fact is, she also said, if you have a Supreme Court justice and you ask him a question, how, about would you, how would you rule on this particular case? They've already set, without even any briefing, without even looking at the facts of how that all applies, You've asked them to give a predetermined position. So now you're the litigant coming up before that justice or judge. What do you expect? You're going to get a fair shot? No. And, and that's, that just is unfair to the court system. It's unfair to the litigants, and that's what she tried to point out over and over again. Well, and as you rightly pointed out, uh, she used the term sexual preference instead of sexual orientation uh, in the context of so-called homosexual marriage. And and what's interesting, those words sexual preference had been not only used by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but by Joe Biden as well. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and neither one of those were attacked for it. And even the dictionary ended up changing their, their definition after the hearing here. In the uh, middle of the hearings, that's right. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, this is so Orwellian that the dictionary... Uh, because of this hearing, 
uh, would actually change uh, the word preference in its dictionary uh, to be something derogatory. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable that you would see this happening. This is true Orwellian, where you just change the meaning of language. And this goes back to the whole issue of what about the Constitution? It has words. They have meaning. They mm-hmm. had meaning then. That, that's the uh, words that you need to wrestle with. Statutes, they have meaning. You've got to wrestle with those words. You don't just simply go back and change the meaning of a word because right. you don't like it or right. because some political wind is starting to blow. And that's what we've seen with an activist court, even on the term uh, sex referring to gender, when that's not what was meant at all. A, yeah. An original, originalist would not d- change the definition. Originalists would not change the definition. Sex is pretty clear back then and, and even now, but certainly when it was written back in 1964, sex meant male and female. It doesn't mean anything that you come up as a construct in mm-hmm. your mind. It is immutable, uh, just like Race is immutable. You're either born male or you're born female. That's it. Matt, I, uh, she was asked about Roe v. Wade, and this came up many times through the course of the uh, confirmation hearings, and she was asked if this was a super precedent. She, uh, she had an interesting response. Yeah, you know, she had a great response on all those particular situations. And, you know, and her general response would be, she would have to look at the the Constitution. She would have to look at the court precedent. She'd have to look at uh, how that has been interpreted over time and, and reliance on it. But uh, there are times, and she would refer to uh, Brown versus Board of Education, mm-hmm. where, like, you had the Plessy versus Ferguson, the separate but equal, that were 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 equal but were separate. I mean, that made no sense. The Plessy versus Ferguson was a discriminatory, unconstitutional case. And Brown versus Board of Education came back and said, oh, that's not what the Constitution says. Now, I know that's a precedent that's been around for a long time, but we can't continue to make the same mistake over and over again. And she went back to the Brown versus Board of Education, which is a favorite of so many people uh, for various reasons uh, on both political spectrums uh, in many respects. But on the other hand, you can't dispute it. Are you going to uh, hold to a Plessy versus Ferguson because it's been the previous precedent of the court? No. Matt, I'd like to also have you address recusal uh, because she was asked about recusing herself from pending cases on the Affordable Care Act as well as recusing herself if any case comes out uh, of this election, you know, regarding this nomination since she was put on the uh, the court nominated by President Trump, if that goes up to the Supreme Court. Uh, she would not commit herself to recusing herself. Should she have done so? No, she shouldn't commit herself because, you know, there are certainly cases when a new justice gets put on the United States Supreme Court that they have come from their particular circuit. Maybe they actually worked on that particular case, or maybe they have some other kind of um, potential relationship to that particular case. They make a decision independently as to whether or not they should recuse themselves. And that's the appropriate time when they look at all the facts and circumstances. But just because it's an Affordable Care Act case, and she has said some statements about it in the past or written some articles in the past, doesn't mean that every single time an Affordable Care Act case comes up before the United States Supreme Court that she has to recuse herself. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that every single time now that she's nominated by President Trump and there's an election issue or... There's another issue. He's challenged. I mean, this president has been challenged in court more than any president in history. And he's won more. It's amazing. At the United States Supreme Court uh, than any president in history. In fact, I don't think he's lost a single case at the U.S. Supreme Court yet. And that makes no sense for her to say, well, he's nominated me. If I have to recuse myself because it's a disputed election, then what about... Do I have to recuse myself going forward on any President Trump cases because he nominated me? No, yeah, I mean, it just right. makes no sense. So she didn't commit herself, nor should she. Right, and and I mean, at the same time, let's go back and look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Elena Kagan, both who had officiated at so-called same-sex marriages while they were handling such a case before the court. Now, that's a whole different issue, because yeah. what we have there is they knew a case was coming, particularly Ginsburg, uh, to the United States Supreme Court. They were all percolating up. And so the, within that year, uh, Ginsburg actually doing a same-sex ceremony uh, at the uh, court, I believe, she knew this case was coming up. And when it came up, she should have recused herself. 
She should have never done it, even if she had those views, which obviously she did. But she should never have done that publicly, because that's the kind of thing that gives prejudice to the litigant. Because, for example, you're defending uh, the state of Kentucky or one of the other states that were before the United States Supreme Court, and within the last year, uh, one of the justices actually performed a same-sex wedding, a same-sex ceremony. Uh, Do you think you're going to get a fair shake? No. You you know right off the bat that... uh, that's a vote against you. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt, I know that the Liberty Council has uh, prepared some interesting fact sheets on this nomination. I mean, this this Judiciary Committee Judiciary Committee is going to be voting, uh, it looks like, this Thursday, October 22nd. I saw the calendar just before coming in here at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. They're, they're meeting together. Yes, they are. So Thursday is going to be a big day. Now, this then will go to the full Senate for beginning of deliberations. All goes well. They vote on Thursday, and she comes out of the Judiciary Committee, and it moves from there to the full Senate. That will begin on Friday. So we could have a vote uh, by this time or sometime early next week, uh, no later than the end of next week on this nomination. Right now, it looks like uh, that Mitt Romney has indicated he is going to vote in favor of her. Mm-hmm. And uh, that leaves, uh, f- right now, on the count, about 50 senators, not counting Collins and Murkowski. We don't know which way they're going to vote. But if we already have uh, 50, um, and then you have, obviously, the uh, – and you actually would have 51 – uh, with that, so you'd have more than 50 with Romney. There's 53 Republican senators. If uh, Romney's the uh, one that we were looking at, and he certainly is, and uh, he was one of them, he said he's going to vote for her. Now you, you've got two others, uh, Collins and Murkowski. Even if they don't vote, uh, what you ultimately end up is with 51. Now, again, you can't count your chickens before they hatch. You also have Vice President Pence who could come in and break a tie. It doesn't seem like he may be necessary for a tie. But again, that vote hasn't happened. Right. So we have to, I mean, you've seen people even in uh, high-level competition running around a track, and they think that they're far enough uh, in front of their competition that they throttle back just before the finish line. And you've seen those heartbreaking endings where somebody comes up from behind and they cross the finish line, and now this person doesn't finish with the gold medal. That's the last thing you want to do, because this isn't about a medal. This is about our country. This is about the Constitution, and we have to press through to the end. Pray and act. So on that Facebook, on the website, lc.org forward slash Barrett, lc.org forward slash Barrett, we have information about the nominee. You can also do a couple of things. One, send a fax to the senators, and two, sign the petition. We're hand-delivering that through our office in Washington, D.C. Folks, again, that's lc.org forward slash Barrett. And uh, there you can find her background, lots of information regarding this. Send a fax to your senators. Uh, Let me also just give out a phone number to the uh, Senate. Uh, The switchboard there is 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. You can find your specific senator's phone number at senate.gov, senate.gov. Uh, Those are some uh, impactful ways to let your voice be heard on this matter. A quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to be uh, hearing from Matt as it relates to packing the court. What is that, and uh, where does Joe Biden stand on that issue, as well as upcoming cases coming before the Supreme Court? Back in a minute. Year after year, generation after generation, We as Americans enjoy the right and opportunity to let our voices be heard through the election of our governing officials. With over 200 years of peaceful transition from one elected body to another, the stability of America's republic stands alone among nations. Our founders pledged their life, their fortune, and their sacred honor in the establishment of this nation. Our country's founding documents have guided this nation and are the substance by which today's laws are judged. Do you own a copy of the Constitution? Documents of Freedom is a pocket-sized booklet containing the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and all other amendments passed. The booklet also features the Declaration of Independence and Washington's Farewell. 
Documents of Freedom is available for a donation of $5 or more to VCY America and can be made by calling 1-800-729-9829. That's 1-800-729-9829. Listening to Crosstalk on VCY America, Attorney Matt Staver with us today from Liberty Council. Again, their website on this issue, lc.org forward slash Barrett, lc.org forward slash Barrett. Matt, uh, we have uh, so often heard about this packing the court. Uh, Joe Biden has said uh, we should not have this nomination now because people are voting. But when he was pressed last Thursday on court packing, he said, well, Americans will know his stance on packing the court before they vote. He's trying to have it both ways here. But what is court packing and how big a threat is court packing? Oh, it would really politicize the court. Court packing would be that uh, if Biden wins and the Senate is controlled by Democrats, then they would expand the number of justices from 9 to 11 or uh, some other number like 13, which would give them two more to four more uh, nominations, brand-new seats that have never been uh, filled, and they would then completely politicize the court. Look, the court has become a very political animal. That's a problem. And that's why we have this judicial activism versus originalism debate. And that's why we have Roe versus Wade. That's why we have uh, same-sex marriage, because the Supreme Court has jumped into the political process rather than allowing the people to speak, rather than allowing the Constitution to be amended the way it says it can be amended. It's a very difficult process. And yet what we've done is we've allowed five people just to simply rewrite the Constitution, and it's become very political. And that's the problem that we have. Now, if uh, the Democrats pack the court, uh, that would really make it uh, an illegitimate institution, because it'd be very obvious what they're doing. Now, the Constitution doesn't say how many uh, justices should serve on the court. That is a political issue. And over the time, it has been nine, or it's been some other number that's less. It has changed, but it's been nine for many, many years. It's like 150 years, something like that? Yeah, 150 years, and uh, it shouldn't change. The problem is, is um, when you change it, you ultimately have this um, uh, additional vacancies that just never existed, and so that's where the court would ultimately be completely taken over by a political party. Now, if judges were doing their job, and that is to stay within the laws that are before them, then it wouldn't really matter whether you increase the number of justices or not, because you're just looking at volume and workload, Mm -hmm. as long as they're all going to stay within their prescribed role as an interpreter. But we know that that's not what Biden is talking about. Biden is talking about putting people on the, on the bench that are judicial activists that become literally legislators in the black robe. And that's a real serious problem. It would really undermine any confidence. Right now, where the Supreme Court is going is it is coming more back. I wish it could come quicker, but it is moving in the right direction to come back more to a constitutionalist position. And uh, largely that has been due to President Trump in terms of his nominations, also on the other lower courts, uh, nominating about 300-plus federal judges across the country, in addition to now this is his third Supreme Court nomination. So we need to get the court back to where it's a neutral arbiter. In fact, if you go back to Thomas Jefferson, Back then, even when the court was very weak, it was uh, in the basements of different houses of Congress until 1935 when it finally got its own building where it is right now. But Jefferson back then, when it was weak, he saw into the future. He was very concerned about the judiciary, and he said, therein, the judiciary, lie the seeds of the dissolution of the republic. Why? In other words, if this court amasses power and it's not checked, and the judges don't restrain themselves, and more power amasses more power, then it becomes the most powerful branch 
of the republic and ultimately undermines the republic itself and ultimately ends in the destruction of the very liberties uh, that we cherish. And that's the problem. That's why it's so important. Just earlier this month, uh, the Supreme Court began their next term, their next session. We know, Matt, they've got a lot on their plate, and and also they are going to be deciding which courses to take here in the months to come. Uh, from what we know right now, what are some of the upcoming decisions? What are some of the upcoming cases that will be faced of these justices, including, if confirmed, Amy Coney Barrett? Well, one big case is coming up the first week in November, and uh, this is going to be just right after the election. And uh, this is a case that's called uh, Fulton versus City of Philadelphia. This is a case regarding a Catholic uh, Charities Adoption and Foster Care Agency, and it is a case in which uh, they have been forced to violate their sincerely held religious beliefs. They refuse to do so. This is a, a, an adoption agency that believes in marriage as the union of a man and woman. Their mission is to help uh, children in the foster system or to find permanent homes with the best possible environment with a mother and a father. And the law says that they have to put aside and violate their own religious beliefs in that city, in that state, in that city particularly, and they have to place children in same-sex households. Well, that would go completely against the ministry. So they have, to, uh, they have a choice. Do they violate their mission and their doctrine in order to continue adopting and doing foster care? Or do they stop? And uh, they chose to challenge it. They've, uh, now the case is before the U.S. Supreme Court. There's a case that just came down in New York just a few days ago a Christian adoption agency, exactly the same thing. A federal judge ruled in favor of it, but that's at the preliminary injunction stage. So this case is huge. I know a lot of adoption agencies and foster care agencies that are Christian. If they're forced to violate their beliefs, what will happen is they'll shut down. And when they shut down, who suffers? The children and the families mm-hmm. suffer. We learned also just this past Friday that the court has agreed to hear a case on uh, President Trump said, no, we're not going to count illegal aliens in our in our census count. And that's been challenged in the courts. We understand that that case is going to go before the U.S. Supreme Court November 30th. Yeah, November 30th. So we have uh, the first week right after the election, this uh, adoption case. We have this uh, census case, and to include uh, people who are illegal aliens in the census makes no sense, because the census, what that does is you use how many people are in that particular state to determine whether or not you're going to increase or decrease the number of House of Representatives, U.S. House of Representatives. The Senate already has two, and it doesn't matter whether you're Delaware or Florida. It doesn't matter you have two. But Delaware doesn't have as many members of representatives as Florida or Texas or California and New York. It's based upon population. And when you say, well, we have a lot of illegals, and therefore we're going to give you more power in Congress by giving you more votes in Congress, and yet the people that you're representing can't even vote for you in that particular seat makes no sense. So President Trump said, we're not going to include illegal aliens on the, cons- on the census. And uh, that got challenged. A court said, oh, no, you have to do that. And now that's before the U.S. Supreme Court. That's why, uh, Jim, we need that ninth justice there. Because in both of these cases, you're likely to have a 4-4 split. The adoption case and this case, and there's many others. And uh, we need that Ninth Justice to have the case decided. If it's a 4-4 split, it means that the lower court decision, whatever it was, good or bad, it stays in effect. And you have to have another whole case come before it. Just last week, we filed a petition uh, for review asking the Supreme Court to review our Romanian church case out of Illinois. It's the first uh, of the church's cases in the country that's ready for a full review. We have right now at the Courts of Appeals, Federal Courts of Appeals, a two-to-two split. Two circuit courts of appeals ruling in favor of churches, two ruling against. At the lower district court level, Jim, since April, we've had 73 decisions come out. My, wow. And that's not even counting state court decisions. Yeah. That's just federal. 
And so the Supreme Court needs to get involved in this and, and stop this insanity. Our phone number to Crosstalk, 800-733-9829. That's 800-733-9829. Also coming up through the pipeline, there are the Trump immigration policies. Uh, the Affordable Care Act is another issue, Matt, that uh, this court's going to be hearing rather soon. Yeah, there's uh, the Affordable Care Act is coming up as well. There's lots of others. And, and just, you know, every... Every Monday, uh, well, every Friday, the court uh, now gets together to determine uh, what their uh, next cases are that they're going to be taken. So every Monday or Tuesday, they ultimately issue that new list, and and that will continue to uh, happen throughout this year and even into next year. So uh, the docket piles up, and that's why we need the the next justice there. Again, that's 800... Uh, I'm uh, uh, calling number here, 800-733-9829. Let's begin with Terry calling from Milwaukee. Hi, Terry, you're on the air. Yes, uh, when Merrick Gartland was up there, I heard something that they knew they didn't have enough votes, so that's why they didn't give a hearing, but they gave the lame excuse the next president should. Uh, maybe they were unsure of what was going to happen with Susan Collins and Olympia Snow. But I heard something that they didn't even bother. The real reason was they didn't even, they knew there were not enough votes and therefore they weren't going to even have the hearing. But for the upcoming one, how can they stop to have the vote by not having a quorum? So both things, can they just not show up and don't have a quorum so a vote can't be taken in the Senate? And what's the deal about the real reason for Gartland not having the hearing? Okay, thank you. Well, both are good questions. Uh, It may well be that, as you say, that they didn't have uh, the votes there, and yet they then tried to blame it on Republicans for not even bringing up the uh, final vote, uh, which is typical. With regards to um, this particular situation, all we need is a uh, majority. So we don't need uh, 50 senators. I mean, if, if you have uh, only a small number, if you have a, a, enough for a, a quorum, and certainly we would have enough for a quorum, to be able to move forward, uh, we can move forward with the vote. So I don't see that that's a problem. Uh, they're, they're raising all kinds of issues all the way uh, from the beginning to the present, including restarting impeachment. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. Uh, Nancy Pelosi says a lot of crazy stuff, and, and that's really at the top of the list. Let's go to uh, Jeannie from, uh, or Janine from uh, Mount Horb, Ohio. You're on the air. Yes, I wanted to bring up the fact about those letters that came from her alumni. Somebody had those um, recruited, obviously, because they seemed to say the same sort of thing, so they couldn't point out any bad points about her. They said she was not representative of a Rhodes Scholar. And the other thing I think they were getting at with the sexual questions were to have her alumni or somebody she might have dated back then come forward knowing the Democrats would pay their way and do the same Kavanaugh deal with her. Like, if you can prove she lied about something, Mm -hmm. then oh, she's probably going to lie about her stand on abortion. Thank you for that. Uh, Matt, a quick uh, quick comment here before the break. Yeah, that may be what they tried to do on there, to get somebody to come forward and and say something, and they would pay them as they did with Kavanaugh. Uh, Regarding, uh, you know, the the other, um, I I just don't... uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of merit in what they're saying on, on any of those uh, fronts. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the call. We're up against a break. Matt Staver with us. We'll take more of your calls following our number 800-733-9829. That's 800-733-9829. Uh, be ready to jot down the contact phone number here to the Senate as well as uh, Liberty Council's web address on this issue. We'll give that after the break. You're listening to Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. We hear a lot of talk today by the media and other folks shaming Christians that actually understand what's going on. One of the things we hear a lot is, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, one of the things we talk about when we are accused of such is that there are a group of people that are plotting to control how we think, what we see, how we vote, and the destruction of national sovereignty. 
We sometimes refer to them as a shadow government or the deep state. The more accurate term might be the power elite. In fact, there was a book written many years ago by a political sociologist by the name of C. Wright Williams. It was called The Power Elite. Well, before you think this is all conspiracy theory, in December of 2018, the Washington Post had an entire article entitled Why the Power Elite Continues to Dominate American Politics. They affirmed the deep state, i.e. the power elite. Listening to Crosstalk on VCY America, the Senate Judiciary Committee poised to vote this coming Thursday. And uh, friends, to weigh in on this, there are some several ways. Uh, we did give you this, the switchboard number to the Senate, 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. For specific numbers, Senate.gov would have those, Senate.gov. And also at uh, Liberty Council, lc.org forward slash Barrett. They have much background information uh, regarding her and her nomination, uh, her background certainly, and uh, also giving you a way to uh, fax members of the Senate as well, uh, lc.org forward slash Barrett. Uh, Matt, the previous caller had referred to uh, her being a, a Rhodes Scholar, but that's not the case, is it? No, she's not a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, she graduated from Rhodes College, uh, and she graduated very high. I may be uh, number one in her class because she got a, uh, a scholarship to uh, full scholarship to Notre Dame Law School. I'm not sure exactly what her class rank was, but it was very, very high. But it was Rhodes College. Now, with regards to her colleagues earlier when she got nominated to the Seventh Circuit, all 49 of the law faculty said on character and intellect, uh, she is at the pinnacle, and they highly recommended her. Let's get back to the phone lines. Joe holding in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Joe, you're on the air. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Seems to me like a lot of the questions that were asked of her had to do with uh, the uh, life issue, you know, the pro-life or or whatever, and, and not really a lot of her qualifications. So there's not a lot of times, a lot of opportunities where this this uh, opportunity comes on, so I hope she gets confirmed. And, uh, you know, her being a strong moral person with seven kids, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong in, in, in uh, voting for the sanctity of life, and we need to change the course of, 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 of the tides. So that's what I wanted to, to mention. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Matt? No, I, I agree with you. Uh, she is somebody... I, I think she is a real problem for the Democrats because... They really don't have any chink in the armor, whether as a as a individual from a character standpoint or a competency and qualification standpoint. And and I think that's obviously very frustrating to them. But it's good for us. And and I, President Trump could not have done better with this particular nomination. Let's go to Lance, Michigan. Zoltan, you're on the air. Hello, Zoltan. Hello. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, I just wanted to say I I watched the hearings, and it was. A breath of fresh air. Uh, there's, there's no other description of this woman, her intellect, her clarity, her honesty. It was just breathtaking how good she was. I, I don't doubt for a second God was on her shoulder speaking through her face. She was awesome. Everything I hoped I would ever hear in somebody who was supposed to have judgment. Mm. Breathtakingly Wonderful. Yeah, thank yeah, you. I agree with thank you 100. I mean, uh, I was very uh, pleased with how she handled herself. Uh, the demeanor, the responses were just superb. She wasn't rattled, was she? Not a bit. I yeah. mean, it's amazing. And you know, she's being uh, lectured by people that uh, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And and then the the crazy sexual assault question is just. I I, I would have had. You know, some real frustration uh, if it were me, and she just handled it with absolute grace and um, no senator, hmm. no senator. Thank you, Zoltan. Uh, let's go next to Jim in Wisconsin. You're on the air. Hi, uh, gentlemen. I just wanted to say, Matt, thank you very much for what you and your uh, colleagues do. Uh, as, as a great service to America. I appreciate it, and I'd like to encourage the audience, everybody else, to support your organization. Hmm. So. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. And uh, Matt, they can do so at lc.org, correct? 
Yeah, they can go to lc.org. That's our main webpage. And then the one for Amy Coney, Amy Coney Barrett, you'll see it there going across the top. But it's also lc.org forward slash Barrett. Bob is calling from Warsaw, Indiana. You're on the air, Bob. Uh, hello there. Hey, um, I was just wondering if you had any comments about um, Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell uh, four years ago, you know, denying any, you know, election to the Supreme Court and now turning around four years later and saying, oh, yes, we got to do it now. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if you had any comments about that. Sure, I yeah, I actually addressed that earlier in the program. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really, historically, uh, when the president is of the same party as the Senate, there's been about 20 nominations uh, to the uh, high court in, in that last year, or in, in any particular position, about 20. Of those, I believe it's 17, possibly 18 have been confirmed in that last year. So that's very consistent with what's happening now. Mm-hmm. When you make a change, when the president, which is what we had in 2016, is not of the same political party as the Senate. Back then you had Obama and you had a Republican-controlled Senate. There is a very small number of percentage that are actually confirmed in that last year. So it's very consistent with history, but it's also very consistent with the Constitution. Bob, thanks. Uh, we're going to squeeze one last call in from Pensacola. Julie, you're on the air. I just wanted to make a comment and, and say that I was really impressed with Amy Coney Barrett in her hearings, her responses and everything. She was really, truly stellar. But I was also very disappointed in the attacks that were thrown at her and even at Kavanaugh as well. They were much worse at Kavanaugh, but the attacks that were thrown at her by the Democratic Party, and it just shows that the people that are accusing us of throwing um, the discord in this or in this nation, they're the ones that are guilty of it, not us. Thank you, Julie, for your comments. Uh, Matt Staver with us from Liberty Council, lc.org forward slash Barrett. Uh, Matt, what do you want to leave with our listeners today? Well, we're at a very critical moment. I mean, we're talking about a cataclysmic shift in the U.S. Supreme Court. So there's two things I want you to, to leave with. One, make sure you pray and make sure you act on this nomination. Let the senators know. You can go to lc.org or lc.org forward slash Barrett. You can sign a petition or send a fax. The other thing is make sure you vote. It's very important who's in the White House. It's very important who's in your local uh, position as well, from the presidency down to the local and everything in between. Vote biblical values. Everything that we have in our biblical value system, life and marriage and family and freedom, it all hangs in the balance in the next couple weeks. Matt, this would not have been a Joe Biden nominee, would it have? No, it wouldn't be a Joe Biden. It would be somebody who would be an activist who literally would deconstruct the Constitution. Uh, It is so encouraging that we have such a nomination like this with Judge Amy Coney Barrett. We need to, number one, get her on the Supreme Court, and number two, we need to continue to vote biblical values. Matt, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, my pleasure. Matt Saber from Liberty Council, lc.org, forward slash Barrett. You may also be in contact with Liberty Council at 407-875-1776. Thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208, or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.